Welcome to the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, one of the most significant values we provide our clients is leveraging our experience helping hundreds successfully navigate through life's transitions. On this podcast, our advisor team explores some of the questions we get every day from our clients. We share some insights on financial topics, and we interview some fantastic professionals from our vast network. Our hope is that you leave with some food for thought and some good ideas to consider. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dollar Wise Podcast. I'm Jason Gabrielli from HFM Investment Advisors, and I'm joined by my colleague, Tyler Reedman, today. We want to talk a little bit about the plus side of higher interest rates. You know, we've talked in other episodes about the downside when it comes to how we're seeing that manifest in loans like mortgages and how much more expensive it makes your mortgage payment when mortgage rates double. But the plus side, the other side of the coin is eventually when rates go up, savings rates go up, right? Yeah, Jason. So, Obviously, when we're borrowing, whether it be for homes or anything else, getting these high rates is not fun. But now with these higher rates, look at ourselves as lenders, right? And when we are lending our money, our cash, our hard-earned dollars to institutions, whether that be online banks, brick-and-mortar stores, et cetera, they are now willing to pay us higher interest rates to hold our money, right? We are seeing rates now at 3% or even higher at a lot of places. And the reason why we definitely feel the need to bring this up is as we're looking at a lot of our own clients' cash accounts, our friends, our families, whoever it may be, a lot of times people have their money with more traditional banks and they think it's in savings or higher yield savings. And in reality, they might only be getting like 0.2% on them still. Because in our experience, those brick and mortar, more traditional banks tend to lag a lot of times with how quickly they adjust their bank rates, Sure, they right? oftentimes have a lot more expenses than some of the digital online banks. And so, yeah, they start to take maybe a little bit longer to adjust. They adjust their mortgage rates immediately, right? Because they want to get that extra income, but they don't always adjust their savings rates on the other side of things. And so it's this is one of those topics that really applies to most people, I think, because we're always an advocate of holding some money in cash for emergencies or for your short-term goals, things you're going to spend money on in 18 to 24 months. You know, Don't invest that money. Keep it in cash. And the prevailing wisdom is always, there's no return to be had on that money. Like It's just it's there because we need it to be safe, but we realize that we're not going to get anything on it. And it's been a long time. I mean, it's probably been at least 10 years, maybe longer, since there was any meaningful interest to be had in a bank account. And I think that's really why this is all of a sudden an important topic to handle because we're finally starting to see a divergence that is material between what a brick and mortar bank might provide, you know, your bank on the corner or the bank you've been banking out for a million years and, and what these online digital offerings are providing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and it comes down to, at the end of the day, just taking some action, right? I mean, the only thing you really need to do to take advantage of these rates is just do something, right? So if it's a difference between getting 0.2% or 3.2%, you know, that extra 3% there could be hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on the cash you have on hand, whether that be an emergency fund, or you like just having a little bit more on hand, that's hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in free money for a lot of people that is guaranteed. And the reason why we always harp on that word guarantee is we virtually can't yeah, use that word anywhere else, right? right? You know, stock yeah. market's not yeah. guaranteed. You know, bond market's not guaranteed. But banks, FDIC insured banks are the closest thing to a guarantee as you're going to get. So that's kind of why we're shouting it from the mountain right now because it's free I'm glad money. You brought that up because 
it's worth mentioning because I've talked to a handful of people about this. And one of the things that always comes up is, yeah, but what, what are the risks? Or what? Because they're online banks and they don't have a yeah. branch <laughs> go and touch. And in reality, their risks are equivalent to the risks you would have in any bank. There's really no risk to banking at any of the, at least the examples we're going to go over today. You know, they're all FDIC insured. They are banks and the rates that they provide on their savings vehicles are guaranteed. Now they're variable like anything else. They're going to go up and down. If rates all of a sudden drop again in six months, then yeah, they might lower the rate. But for now, you know that bucket of money that you're holding in cash certainly could make a lot more sense to save it somewhere that is going to pay you a lot more with you know the same little to no risk that you have at your traditional bank you've been at for a thousand years. 100%. So I'm just going to rattle off a few providers here that we were just looking up and doing some prep for this episode. And I think when it comes down to picking one over the other, it's not always just which one is paying the highest, right? Because you may be splitting hairs over a few dollars at a certain point. To me, it comes down to a few things. One of them obviously being rate. You know, if there are large disparities in rate, that plays a part. Ease of use is another, right? I mean, you've got to be able to access your money, have a good experience, have quick transfers, hopefully have an app on your phone, right? right. I don't even understanding that the experience is going to be different. Like they don't have branches in many cases. Some of these examples do, but for the most part, they don't. And so you're going to be dealing through an app. You're going to be dealing through a portal on your computer and you have to be okay with that. And the money's easy to flow back and forth. Most of these solutions, you set up a link to your checking account that you use and that you've been using for years and you could transfer money back and forth it might take a day or two but they all have that availability you just have to be okay with foregoing that ability to to go you know withdraw your money at the physical branch or something yeah just to name a few so capital one right now currently doing three percent citizens is doing three percent marcus by goldman sachs is another popular one that's more up and coming is now three percent Betterment, my personal favorite, because we use that with HFM and we're able to link up our HFM investment accounts. Betterment is currently doing 3.2%. And then another one. Yeah, I know. Another one that is a big difference and it comes with a little bit of a catch, but Robinhood. So Robinhood, for many people, know Robinhood because it became really popular during COVID with people that were doing stock picking. Day trading type stuff, yeah. Day trading, right. And and they are a custodian in that regard, right? A platform you can go on. But their cash sweep account, so when you deposit money in there and don't trade it or invest it, you can get 3.75% right now on those funds, FDIC insured for gold members. Now, to be a gold member, the catch is you have to do $5 a month. That is the charge for Robinhood gold. However, if you weigh the difference between 3.75% and getting 3% somewhere else and you figure out- dollars or you know, $50,000, yeah. you're talking about real money. For 60 bucks a year, it might make sense, right? So that's another one you could weigh out there that's a little more interesting, so to speak, a little less traditional, but it's FDIC insured. And I'll let you touch on Jason, but a lot of these- less traditional institutions like a Betterman or a Robin Hood or Marcus by Goldman Sachs, they actually have much higher FDIC insured limits, the limits of protection on your money. So how does that occur? Yeah. So a lot, like specifically the Betterman and the Robin Hood ones, they're not traditional banks. You're keeping your money in their cash sweep account of a, essentially an investment brokerage account. You don't have to actually invest the money. You can let it sit in cash. But the way that they achieve this 3.2% of Betterment and 3.75% at Robinhood is they're actually taking that money and they're putting it with affiliate banks of theirs. And they actually ban those call micro accounts together 
And they can actually leverage that to get you much higher FDIC insurance. So I know Betterment does like a million dollars of FDIC insurance where a typical bank, like some of the other examples we mentioned, a Capital One or a Citizens, you're limited to $250,000. I think Robinhood is is up to like one and a half million in an account that's FDIC insured. And the reason they're doing it that is because they're splitting your to one and a half million dollars into six banks. And they're handling all that. It all goes on behind the scenes. You don't have to deal with any of that. But that's how they're basically negotiating these higher deposit rates with these partner banks on your behalf. And then you're just benefiting from it. So you're still getting that FDIC insurance. You're still getting those things. It's just a little bit different than a traditional bank account would be. That sounds awesome. So tell me why as an investor, somebody with extra cash, why now that things are paying 3.2%, 3.75%, FDIC insured, guaranteed money, why shouldn't I take all my money right now, my cash, my investments, my 401k, whatever it might be, and throw it into savings? Because it's 3.2%, Jason. So tell <laughs> yes, me why I should well, let me shouldn't first do that. Off, start by saying, you know, compliance hat on, we've received no compensation from any of these <laughs> banks, any of the, you know, this is, it's not like we're pushing one bank over another because we get some kind of kickback. We don't. So before we say that, you know, just get that off the table. But what's to be considered? And to be honest with you, it's kind of a no-brainer. If you want to keep your operating cash, the money that you, all your bill pays are attached to your brick and mortar bank that you've been at for decades or whatever, and you want to keep that money that you still want to get your paycheck deposit there, like do that. But for your cash that you're holding, you know, why get 0.2% at this bank you've been at for a million years when you can get 3.2% at another bank. And all you have to do is open an account online, set up the link between your existing bank and that bank and transfer the money. And like I said, it might take a day or two to transfer back and forth, but you're going to make that differential of say 3% or 2.5% or whatever it is. And as we discussed before, on $100,000, 3% is $3,000 of quote unquote free money. All you did was put your money from one bank to the other. So you really have no, not much downside I can consider. Yeah. What about because of the safety and security and how good it feels to just get that free money? What about my more traditional investments? You know, should I move those investments over to these now? Do you see investors doing that? Or is that a no go? Ah, see, that's the big question is and I think that's probably a question that we get in general all the time is how much of my cash or of my money that I have available beyond what I'm putting in my four hundred one K, beyond what I'm putting in my retirement account. How much of this money that I have should be in cash versus should be invested in an individual account or a joint account? And I would say that you know just because these these interest rates are all of a sudden a lot higher, they're still losing to inflation. Remember, inflation is eight percent. So even if you're getting three point seven five percent in your in your savings account, you're still falling behind by four and a half percent. You're still losing to inflation. So they're not a fix all for sure. We know that it's better than getting 0.2%, but at the same time, it's not that hedge against inflation. So for any money that's going to be long-term money, any money that you're really not going to touch for 12 months or 24 months or 10 years or whatever it is, that's got to be invested in an RFA. Now, how you invest it and how much of that's allocated to stocks and real estate and bonds and all these things, that's more of a conversation to have with your advisor. But at the special levels where we're seeing now where the market is not a decent month and a half. So it's come back quite a bit, but we're still down. About 15, 17%, something so like that. So you're still getting it on sale. <laughs> and so if this money really doesn't have a job and you have the choice between putting it in a savings account for 3.2% or investing it for the next 10 or 15 years with the coiled spring, I'll call it, of the market, the fact that it's down in 
you know, we have to go on the assumption it will come back up. We're picking that all day long for long-term investments. That is a big point though about inflation because, you know, you think your inflation is seven, eight, nine percent, yeah. whatever it is right now, depending on the metric or index you look at, you know, even if you're getting three percent, you're really losing four or five, six percent, let's say. I just saw a stat the other day and I can't remember the exact time period. So let's just say something around a hundred years since they've been keeping really good data on this. There is not a 20 year period over that time where the stock market has underperformed inflation. It's beat it in every single 20-year period, rolling 20-year periods over the past 100 years or so, roughly speaking, let's call it. Now, granted, right, there are years like this year where it is significantly underperforming inflation, but over 20-year periods, which I know is a long time, it has never underperformed inflation. So from a long-term perspective, your best inflation hedge, it's going to be investing it more traditionally. So it's always weighing getting safe guarantee money in a savings account versus what we know over the long term will more than likely outperform, which is, you know, your more traditional yeah. stock market investment. At the end of the day, when you own the companies that are raising prices, that's going to be your best hedge long term. And you said it already, you know, inflation has reared its ugly head quite a bit this year and the market is going down. So how can the stock market be a hedge against inflation? It's long term. Like you said, it's, you know, a 20 year period, it's 10, 15 year periods. You have to remember, we pound the drum time after time, investing is a long-term activity. And you have to remember that. But these accounts that we discussed here in this episode, these can get you some guaranteed return in the short term. And it's money that would otherwise be sitting around. It's your emergency fund. It's money that maybe you're spending on a child's wedding in a couple of years or, or whatever, where you don't want to see any volatility because it is a bank account. It's just going to go up. And you want to make sure that it's going to be safe, but you want to get more than what you might be getting at your, your traditional bank. So as a takeaway, I would just recommend, at minimum, know what you're getting right now. Know that there are rates as high as 3.75% out there, and just take stock of what are you getting on your money market or your savings account at your traditional bank now. Once you know what that is, then you can start to figure out, do I need to make a change or should I take a piece of this money and actually put it somewhere else? I want to thank everybody for joining us on this episode of the podcast. If you are not yet a subscriber of this glorious podcast, please hit the subscribe button. (laughs) Hit button. Hit the button for Spotify, Amazon, iTunes. We're on all of them. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. You'll get our updates. You'll be the first one to know when a new episode drops. And of course, as always, if you have anything you want to let us know about, you have any suggestions for the podcast, email us, info at hfmadvisors.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dollar Wise Podcast. At HFM, our mission is to educate and empower our clients to make wise financial decisions. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at hfmadvisors.com. The Dollar Wise Podcast is presented by HFM Investment Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor firm. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer for sale or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. All investments involve risk and are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendation appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.